Well, as I just share with the kids, things that we're passionate about, we love talking about those things with other people, right? I mean, this week, for a lot of us, it's been the NCAA basketball tournament, March Madness. And, and if you're an Arizona Wildcat fan, it's been pretty good so far, right? Because the, the men have won, the women have won, and they're going to get to play again. And so, so some of you have been talking about that. For others of you, it might be some hobby that you really like or, or maybe some TV show or some movie that, that you just really like. Maybe it's uh, another person that you're passionate about. I know I'd love to talk about my wife because I love her and I'm passionate about her. And so it's really natural for us to, to talk about these things that, that we're really interested in, and yet somehow, for some reason, even though I believe that all of you that are here today are passionate about Jesus, if we're really honest, sometimes I think it's a little difficult for us to talk to other people about Jesus, right? I think we'd all admit that that's not something we probably do quite as well as we'd like. And over the years, I think a lot of the approaches that churches have taken when it comes to sharing about our faith is that we try to guilt people into thinking, well, I'm just not doing that the way that I should, and I really need to go out and and, and do a better job of that. But the fact is, that's not really my job this morning, is to try to make you feel guilty about about talking to other people about Jesus. I mean, God's Word and the Holy Spirit are more than capable of doing that. You don't need to hear that from me. What my job is this morning is to do what I can to help equip you to be more effective in sharing your faith with other people around you. And fortunately, we have the Scriptures to help us do that. Most of you know, if you've been here for a while, you know we're in this sermon series right now that we're calling Rooted. It's coming from the book of Colossians, Paul's letter, Paul's letter that he wrote to the church there at Colossae. And in the first half of the letter, Paul begins with doctrine, and he sets out for us and, and shows us why Jesus is supreme and why he's sovereign over all his creation and over his body, the church. And then in the second half of the letter, which we began a couple weeks ago, we see that, that he gets really practical. And he began by, by talking about how now that we are followers of Jesus, now that we are disciples of Jesus, Jesus has made us into new creatures, and therefore, there's some things that belong to our old way of life that we need to take off, and there's some things that are consistent with who Jesus has made us to be, and we need to put those things on. And then last week, we got even more practical. We boiled it down to to how we're to relate to those people with whom we have the closest relationships. And Paul gave us some some great advice there and some great practical guidance about how we relate to people in marriage and and parents and children and employers and employees and really all of our closest relationship, how we can make those more effective. Well, today Paul's going to kind of turn the tables a little bit and he's going to focus now on how do we deal with those who are outside the body of Christ, those who are not yet disciples of Jesus. And fortunately, he has some really practical advice that's going to help. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Colossians um, chapter 4. We're going to be reading just five verses this morning, beginning in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. So if you don't have a Bible, there should be some in the seat backs in front of you. The verses will also be up on the screen. Here's what Paul writes. He says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word, to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, 
that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Like I said, only five verses there, but this, is, this passage is so rich with some really practical advice on how we, can, how we can take and share our faith with other people. And so here's the big idea that we're going to develop today. We've been talking about how to be rooted in Christ. And, and this week, our main idea is this, to be rooted in Christ, I must speak to Jesus about people, and I must speak to people about Jesus. And they're both wrapped up here in this, in this passage that we're going to look at this morning. Now, it seems to me, just based on my own experience, based on my own observations over the years, that, that when it comes to sharing our faith with other people, that, that a lot of Christians tend to go towards two extremes. On one hand, there are the people that say, you know what, I'm just going to live a really good life, and I'm going to let my life be a witness for Jesus, and I don't really need to tell other people about Jesus with my words. My life will just be an example to them. Probably those same people have have often quoted this quote, which is attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. It's this. He says, preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. Sounds good, right? Only two problems with that quote. Number one, St. Francis never said that or wrote that, even though people always attribute it to him. The bigger problem, though, is it's just not true, as we're going to see this morning. I mean, think about it for a minute. If that was true, if you could just... If you could just share the gospel only with your life, you would have to live a life that's better than the life that the Apostle Paul lived for sure because what does Paul do? He shares the gospel with words, right? Not just his life. Not only that, you'd have to live a life that's better than Jesus because Jesus used his words to tell people about salvation. Now, I, don't, I don't think any of us here are capable of doing that. I know we're not capable of living a life that's even close to Jesus, right? And even if you could think about it, even if you could live a life like that, how are people supposed to know why you're doing that unless you use your words? We probably all know people that, that live pretty good moral lives around us. They're basically pretty good people. They're still sinners that need a Savior, but they're basically good people. And, and the question is, how is anyone going to know what's different between them and between you because you have Jesus in your life unless you use words? Now, at the other extreme, there's people that I would call, for lack of a better term, Jesus muggers. These are the people that, that go around with their big old Bible, and they use it to beat people over the head with the gospel. Not literally, probably. But they have this canned gospel presentation, and, and they just go around, and they'll just share the gospel with anyone they see, whether that person's interested or not. Or maybe they get out on a street corner, probably a lot of you have seen this, especially I saw it all the time when I went to school at the U of A. They get out on the street corner with a megaphone and basically try to scare people into heaven by telling them if they don't accept Jesus, they're going to hell. Now, is that true? Absolutely. But it's probably also not the most effective way to share Jesus with other people, right? I know some people who have have been so turned off by these these Jesus muggers, that they want nothing to do with the gospel. So there's a, there's a middle ground, fortunately, that's somewhere in between there. And we're going to learn about that this morning as we look at this passage. And we're going we're to see, how can I be an effective witness 
for Jesus. Now, there are two commands here in this passage, and the order of those two commands is really important here. We're going to see that in just a moment. The first command is to continue steadfastly in prayer. And out of that first command, we get the first principle here of how we can be effective witnesses for Jesus. And here's what I have to do, is I have to speak to Jesus before I speak to others. I have to speak to Jesus before I speak to others. And and I think a lot of times this is where our efforts to share the gospel with other people really fall short. Is we kind of ignore this, but but Paul writes that before he ever talks about conduct, before ever he talks about speech, he says, you need to be praying steadfastly. And there's two reasons for that. Number one, we need to pray so that we'll be prepared to share the gospel with other people, right? So that we'll have the right words to say. We're going to talk in a minute about some of the things we ought to pray. But we need to pray so that we'll be prepared. But maybe even more importantly, we need to pray for the other person and pray that God would prepare them. Because we know from the Scriptures that no one can come to, to God, no one can come to Jesus unless the Father draws him. There's never been an effective evangelist who could just win people into the kingdom on their own without God's help, right? Whether that was the Apostle Paul or whether that was Billy Graham. We're all dependent on the God's work in the life of that other person to draw them to him. Here's what Jesus had to say about that in John chapter 6. He said, no one, no one, that's key here, can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And so we need to be praying for that. We need to be praying for the other person and, and praying that God would draw them. Now, fortunately here, Paul gives us some instruction on on how and what we're to pray. I want to spend just a couple of minutes talking about that. Let's look first at how we're to pray. It says there's three things here that ought to characterize our prayer. First of all, we need to pray steadfastly. kind of reminds me of the command we see in 1 Thessalonians where, where Paul says to pray without ceasing. And the idea is, here is that we're to have this prayerful attitude all the time, that we always need to be praying as God brings these opportunities to light. Sometimes we won't have time to sit down and, and bow our head and close our eyes, but we can always shoot up a quick prayer to God when he brings a, a, an opportunity into our life. The second thing we have to do is we have to pray watchfully. That word watchfully there means to, to be alert. So it means that I'm alert for other opportunities as they come. It also means, I think, that we need to be alert, alert to, that we have an enemy out there who's trying to keep us from sharing the gospel with that other person. And that we need to be aware of, of the way that he's going to attack us. So as we pray, we pray and ask God to help us to be aware of his tactics so that we can avoid them, so we won't be caught up by them. And then the third thing, and this shouldn't be a surprise, after all the time we spent in Colossians, we've seen this idea, we need to pray thankfully. We need to thank Jesus for what he's already done in our lives and focus on the grace and the mercy that he's poured out into our lives so that we'll be prepared to pray for other people. So that's the how to pray. He also tell, tells us here what we are to pray. First thing he says is you need to pray for opportunities to share the gospel with other people. We ought to do that all the time, right? We ought to be praying for the people we're praying for. God, give me an opportunity to share the gospel with that other person. 
The second thing he prays for, and this is really important, he prays for clear communication. He says, help me to take this mystery of the gospel and make it really clear so that other people can understand it. I thought a lot about that prayer this week, and I thought, you know what? If the Apostle Paul needed to pray that prayer, guess how much we might need to pray that same prayer, right? I mean, he spent his whole adult life from the time he became a follower of Jesus writing a good chunk of the New Testament, and yet he still prayed, God, help me to communicate the gospel in a clear way. And then the third thing, we don't see it so much here, but we definitely see it in the the parallel passage in Ephesians. We need to pray for boldness. And again, if Paul, I mean, think about this. Paul is actually asking the church in Ephesus to pray that he might be bold in sharing the gospel. So I think we probably need to pray the same thing too, right? So we see that from the first command there. That first command was to continue steadfastly in prayer. The second command we, we see here is going to lead to the other things that we need to do. And, and, and here's that, that second command. It is to walk in wisdom. Walk in wisdom. It's interesting. Paul uses that, that verb walk a lot throughout his writings to indicate a lifestyle that we're to have. And so the first thing that we can kind of bring out of here is that we're to walk the walk before we talk the talk. It's interesting here that before he, ever, he, before he ever talks about what we're to say and the words we're to use, he talks about our conduct. He says that we're to walk wisely, to have a lifestyle that's not going not to be a barrier to sharing the gospel with other people. Now, do any of us do that perfectly? Obviously not. So what he's not saying here, he's not saying you have to have your act all together. You have to live a perfect life. Then you can go share the gospel. What he is saying is make sure that you live in a way that your life doesn't become a distraction from the gospel. I still remember back in the 1990s, I owned a, a sandwich shop in a deli. And I'll always remember this one employee that worked for me. Now, this guy, believe me, he was as far from being a Christian as probably anybody I know, just based on what I knew about his life. But after he'd worked for me for a while, he came to me one day and he said this. He says, you know, he says, Pat, I really like working here. He says, this is the first place I've ever worked where there's not a bunch of foul language being used in the workplace all day. He says, it's the first place that I've ever worked where where my boss and my fellow employees really have respect for each other. And I've always remembered that. It wasn't that I was doing things perfectly, but but that always stuck in my mind, and it's always been a reminder to me that, that if I don't live in a way that is consistent with what I say, that can put up a barrier between me and the other person that can keep them from ever hearing my words. So it means that I have to, to live in a way that's not going to be a detraction from the gospel. I haven't always done that perfectly, but it's something that I... I strive to do because I don't want my life to keep someone else from hearing the gospel. Third thing that I have to do is I have to take advantage of the opportunities that that Jesus gives me. He prays that there, that we should do that, that we should take advantage of those opportunities. The phrase there, making the best use of time, is an interesting one. Literally in the Greek, it means that we need to buy up the opportunity. I was thinking about what that means this week. A couple of years ago when Mary and I were um, furnishing our vacation rental, we were looking for some TVs, and 
along around Thanksgiving, there was a Black Friday sale at Walmart, online sale. And they only, but they only had a limited number of these TVs, and we ne- we needed to try to get two of them. So the, I had to get online the very moment that they went on sale. I was able to squeak in and buy one. By the time I went back and tried to buy another one, because you could only buy one at a time, they were all gone. And that's really the picture he's given us here, that, that when we have these opportunities to share our faith with someone else, we need to take advantage of them because we don't know when another opportunity will ever come along. So we need, to, we need to buy up those opportunities. We need to take advantage of the opportunities that Jesus brings into our lives. And then when that happens, he tells us, then, now you're ready to use words. You're ready to share your faith with other people. And he gives us three instructions here about how we're to speak to other people when we're sharing the gospel with them. The first one is this, is that I need to be gracious. I need to be gracious. I think that involves two things. It involves, first of all, making sure that we focus on the grace of Jesus as we're sharing the gospel with other people. Do we need to tell them about sin? Yes. Do we need to tell them about hell? Yes, we do, because that's a reality. But our focus ought to be on the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ and what he's done in our life to save us. The second thing that means is that that we need to treat other people with with respect as we share the gospel with them. You know, sometimes I, I hear Christians that that are just downright mean to other people and think somehow they're going to scare them into the kingdom. Peter gives us some really good advice in 1 Peter chapter 3 about how we're to do that. He says, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy. But here's the key part I want you to see. Always being prepared, so there is the idea of being prepared, to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet, and here's the key part, do it with gentleness and respect. And that's the way we need to treat other people as we share the gospel. We need to do it with gentleness and respect. As we've talked about before, we can't expect unbelievers to act like believers. We need to remember that One time we were just like they were, that we were enemies of Christ. And that it's only because of the grace and the mercy of Jesus that we have a relationship with God. So we need to treat other people like that too. The second thing is we need to be interesting. He says here to have your your conversation always seasoned with salt. He's not saying here to use salty language, you know, like a sailor would. That's not what he's saying at all. Here's what I think he is saying. In that culture, salt was used for a couple of things primarily. It was used as a preservative. They didn't have refrigeration. But what he's referring to here, I think, is is that it was also used to give flavoring to food, the same way we do today, right? I mean, there's a lot of foods I can eat without a lot of seasoning, but I have to have salt on my French fries. I don't know about you. I mean, unsalted French fries to me just are kind of bland, and they don't taste very good. And so we salt them. And that's what he's saying. As you speak to other people about Jesus, make it interesting. Don't make it boring. Don't act like you're giving a, you know, a presentation to a, to a, to a class on some boring topic. 
You're telling them about your best friend. Make it interesting. Like I talked to the kids this morning, if there's something that you're really passionate about and you're going to talk to someone else, you're going to make it interesting. You're going to make it sound like you actually care. And I've seen people share the gospel so, you know, so in a way that's, that's frankly would just bore other people to death. Why would, you want, why would they want to listen to you? And how do you do that? Here's, here's the key thing. If you really want to make it interesting to someone else, do what we've talked about a lot before, re-gospel yourself every day. Remind yourself of the difference that Jesus has made in your life. Remind yourself of the fact that, that he took you when you were dead and he made you alive again. Now, if you can't get excited about that, you have a problem. So make it interesting. Then finally, he says to make it, make it insightful. Remember, I, I've talked to you about this before. When we were living in Albuquerque, we went to a church that had evangelism explosion training. And as I've shared before, there are some things that I've pulled from that that I still use today. But here was the main drawback I found with that training, is that it seemed to me that the focus wasn't so much on the, on the person. The focus was on making this canned presentation that you'd memorize, basically. Now, there was some room for, for modifying it a little bit, but, but really the goal was all about the presentation and not about the person. But what Jesus says here is he says that, or what Paul writes here, he says that every person is unique. You need to tailor the gospel presentation to who they are. That's why usually just getting out on a street corner with a, a bullhorn's not that effective because you don't know those people. But you do know your family and your friends and, and your neighbors and the people that you work with. And the more you get to know them, the more you can, you can kind of tailor your gospel presentation to who they are. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't be prepared. The verse we looked at just a moment ago in 1 Peter says, always be prepared to give the reason for the hope that you have. So you should be prepared. At a very minimum, you ought to know five or six or seven verses that you could use to very clearly explain the gospel to someone else. If you don't, I'd be happy to help you. I know Ryan would or one of our elders. There's, there's some, you guys are probably familiar with the Romans Road. You can take five or six or seven verses from the book of Romans and use that to share the gospel. And you ought to be prepared to do that. Hopefully you've memorized those verses, but if you don't memorize them, at least know where to find them in your Bible. But then you have to, that's why prayer is so important. What, do you, what are one of the things we prayed for? Make the presentation clear to the other person. So God, show me how I can take these truths and, and share them in a way that's going to be relevant to their life. So we have to be insightful too. So we've seen this morning that to be rooted in Christ, I must speak to Jesus about people and speak to people about Jesus. So as we close this morning, like I I try to do every week, I want to make this just very practical for you. Now, there may be some of you here this morning joining us either in person or online who have never committed your life to Jesus Christ. You've never put your faith in him. And maybe this morning, just the little bit that you've heard is, has you interested about how you can do that. Or, or maybe even right now, the Holy Spirit is convicting you. You need to do that. You need to understand that Jesus came to this earth 
and died on a cross to pay the penalty for your sin. And he makes salvation available to you as a free gift. But the way you have to accept that gift is by putting your faith in Jesus Christ, by making him your Savior, by putting him in charge of your life. And if you'd like to know more about how to do that, we would love nothing more than to talk to you about that. But I know most of the people that are joining us, at least the people I see here in this room, I know most of you have already made that decision. So, so how can you make this very practical? I'm going to suggest that, that what you do is you pray and write down the name of one person in your life that you know God wants you to share the gospel with. Right now, a lot of you probably, somebody's name is probably going to pop into your mind right now. Might be one of your friends at school. Might be a family member. It might be somebody that you work with. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to write down their name, giving you space to do that in your sermon outline. And then what I want to ask you to do is to pray for that person every day for just one week. And I believe that if you'll do that, God's going to, do some things in your life to make it possible for you to share the gospel. You want to pray for the other person? Pray that God would prepare their heart. Pray that God would draw them. But you also want to pray for yourself. Pray that God would give you an opportunity to share the gospel with them. And pray that when he does that, you would do it very clearly. Now, if you'd like someone else to pray with you, I know I would if I'm praying for someone, then let Ryan know or let me know. You can send us an email. You can send us a text. You can contact us. I'll share with you in a moment some other ways that you can contact us. But let us know, and we promise that we will pray with you for this next week for that same person. We'll pray for you, and we'll pray for that other person. We can only do that if you let us know. I want you to think for a moment about how you came to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And I want to ask, is there anyone here who did that without the involvement of some other person or maybe a whole lot of other people? Anyone who, like, God just zapped you and there was no other person involved in it? Anyone who an angel came to you and shared the gospel? No? Really? Here's what I want to ask you. As you think about that other person or those other people, out of gratefulness for what God has done for you, out of gratefulness for their role in you becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ, would you be that person in the life of someone else? Let's pray. Oh, Father, thank you for the gift of salvation. Thank you as a gift that we're not to just hoard for ourselves, but you've called us to give it away to others. And, Father, you've given us the privilege of being part of this process by which you draw people to you. Cause them to become disciples of Jesus. Father, what a blessing that is to us. My prayer for all of us is that the things that we learn today would be really practical in our lives. That they would help us to overcome the apprehension and fear that we sometimes have and sharing the gospel with others. Father, we, we look forward to being a part of others coming near and joining your kingdom, Father. We ask that in Jesus' name.